Welcome back to the Going Going Gooner podcast. This is episode 29. I'm your host, Kyle, joined by my co-host, Arjun. Arjun, you can find us on Twitter, obviously, at GGGoonerPod, where we discuss all things Arsenal and the Saints, and we even break down games as they're happening live. And Arsenal had a match happen live today. We finally, it's been a little bit since we did live match coverage on Twitter. We did it this week. And it was against Palace, a match that sometimes can be a bit shaky. We've seen Wilfred Zaha go off a little bit. But this time, it was all but safe for Arsenal, I would say, until around the 90th plus 5th in stoppage time. So breakdown for me, uh, the Arsenal victory over Crystal Palace and Roy Hodgson's final match at the Selhurst Park. This was a really interesting game, Kyle. Um, I was able to watch it, live tweet it, uh, the works. So, I mean, the first half, Arsenal were controlling the game, controlling possession, but Palace were getting some nice chances off set pieces. Uh, Pepe scored a really nice goal in the 35th minute to open the scoring 1-0. It was some really nice interplay between Saka and Tierney down the left-hand side, who, you know, played a fantastic game to both of them. Pepe finished with his weak foot inside the box, which is crazy. We don't hear that from Pepe all the time. Might be the only weak foot goal I can remember from him. Um, but in the first half as well, there were some VAR decisions that didn't go our way, really. Palace could have, if you're being lenient, could have had three red cards in the first half. The first one, the most egregious one, was in the fourth minute, Jeffrey Schlupp. He, uh, it's one of those ones where um, Callum Chambers had the ball. He tapped it away from Schlupp, but Schlupp was a bit late. Stamps on um, Chambers' ankle. Studs up, fully stamps on his ankle. Um, now, Aubameyang was sent off for that against Palace a, a year ago, I think. Same exact challenge and given a red. This one was given a, a yellow in the fourth minute. Schlupp didn't get a second yellow. Um, and then a second incident that happened, uh, Tierney um, was bombing down the, right, the left-hand side, as he usually does. Ball went out of play. And then Joel Ward just kicks Tierney, just kicks him. Um, doesn't get booked at all. Probably not a red. But, I mean, for him not to get booked at all, for VAR to not even look at it, ridiculous. And Tierney got booed for the rest of the game by the Palace fans, which I found kind of funny. Like, you got kicked us, but whatever. And then the third incident uh, involved Christian Benteke, who was given a yellow. Um, pretty much um, after challenging Saka off the ball, he shoulder shot Saka. The ball's not really near them. Um, and then El Nenny comes over, confronts Benteke, and Benteke sort of elbows El Nenny in the neck. Um, that one also pretty egregious. That one was probably the, the second most worthy of a red. Um, I saw tweets, uh, people saying, if Granit Xhaka did any one of those three, he's he sent to Guantanamo Bay immediately. Um, like, I mean, it's just ridiculous, the inconsistency. Benteke ended up scoring the equalizer when he shouldn't have even been on the pitch. Um, so that was 1-1. And then after we scored, as it usually does, you know, we, we sit back. You know, it, it happened under Wenger. It happened under Emery. It's happening under Arteta now. The 1-0 to Arsenal culture is just so ingrained in us, as, as it has been for so long. We hate going up 2-0. Um, so Palace equalize. And then one thing we saw was some urgency in the last 10 minutes from Arsenal, trying to get back into the game, trying to get all three points. Martinelli came on um, for Partey, which is a pretty attacking sub. Xhaka came on for Tierney, not as attacking, but provided, you know, the help that Partey would have provided. And Martin Odegaard came on for Saka as well. Saka played a great game. Um, 
in the 90th minute, the 90 plus one, Odegaard lifts a beautiful pass up to Martinelli at the far post. Martinelli controls it, toe pokes it home for the winner, pretty much. It was 2-1 at that point, and we hope we grabbed it at the death. But, I mean, Martin Odegaard, what a pass. I mean, but before that pass, you really wouldn't have noticed he was on the field. Um, Smith Rowe, I think, put in a great performance. Just so direct, so good. And then Pepe, my man of the match, um, uh, tacks on a third with a nice solo run and a finish into the far post. Pepe played so well today. And besides our youngsters, I want to get your take on this, Kyle. Besides our youngsters, Saka, Smith Rowe, obviously them too. Pepe's our most improved player. He's been so, so good recently, especially his performances in the Europa League. Despite us being knocked out in the semis, I think Pepe's been such a bright spot, especially today. He was so bright. The attack pretty much entirely ran through him down the right-hand side, and Smithrow was helping out on that right side as well. Just a really, really good game all around from our attack. When we were playing more urgent, but when we were sitting back, it looked like same old Arsenal from this entire year. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Pepe has looked spectacular. I don't think there's any other way to sugarcoat it, go around it. He has looked electric down the right. He's looked electric in general playing. That I don't know what's gotten into him the past 23 matches. That for us, the past 23 matches, we're second in the table. If we do just the last 23, we're second in the table, which is crazy to me that we've played that well. Um, it's... I think Pepe's kind of seen Martinelli and he's seen Saka and he's seen Smith Rowe and Odegaard put in these performances and he's just stepped his game up and he's played like we, like how we thought he would play when we signed him. Like this is the Pepe we all knew we were getting. We just hadn't seen him. We'd seen flashes. We'd seen glimpses. Every so often we'd see a little one touch Aryan Robin left foot curler top bins. And then we wouldn't see it again for like, it'd go dormant for four months. And then we'd see another one. And then six months later, another one. But finally, he's getting consistent. He's playing in the side often. He's playing with a good 10 next to him. He's playing with Smith Rowe or Odegaard, and it's working for him because he has someone who can actually pass him the ball. Like, no disrespect to Ceballos, but he's not what I want in number 10. But he finally has it with Smith Rowe and Odegaard. And he's got Alba up front. He's got Lacazette up front. He's got a winger on the other side who also can do things very well. He's not the only one that we're relying on anymore. Because Saka and Martinelli both are electric. That all of a sudden there's two wings. So they can't, the defense can't generally like favor towards Pepe anymore. They have to stay neutral because, oh no, Saka's going to burn you. Oh no, Martinelli's going to burn you. There's just so much a defense can do now because they can't, they can't try and push towards Pepe and try and like box him out, in other words. They can't do that anymore. And he's got this weird freedom of he's like, I know I'm doing well. I'm just going to keep having fun. And he seems to be having fun. He's having Absolutely. a lot of fun mm-hmm. on Twitter. His celebrations are electric. and a lot, I love to watch them. I love celebrations. It's just a good time in general, let's be honest here. And I'll say a couple more things. Aubameyang put in a really, really poor performance today. Um, I think before the 80th minute, he had like nine touches total in the entire match. Just not great. Something's not working there. Um, maybe it's the formation. Maybe it's the players right behind him. But something with Aubameyang isn't working. But I'll say Pepe would play even better if he had a better right back. I mean, he would be so, so good. There were so many times in today's match. Callum Chambers put in a really good defensive performance, as well as some really good crosses today. I'm happy with how Callum Chambers is playing. But one thing he lacks is the speed on the overlap. And 
so many times in this match and so many times when we're talking Kyle on here, we've said that Pepe obviously as a left footed right winger plays so much better when he can cut inside when he's playing all the way out by the, by the touchline, he's not going to play as well. And that's very obvious. So there were so many times in today's match where I'm just screaming at the TV, screaming at Callum Chambers, make the overlap. It's going to create space for you to bring in, to put in your amazing crosses. It's going to give Pepe space to cut inside and do what he needs to do. And it's going to give El Neni and Partey the space to, to get in more central. I mean, if we can get, I mean, Hector Bellerin is probably the closest that we have because he's got the pace to make those overlaps. And you saw it all match. The left side was so, so dynamic because Kieran Tierney is constantly making overlapping runs constantly. That's why Sokka is so good out there. That's why Tierney is so good out there. That's why their interplay led to our first goal. And if we can just replicate that on the right-hand side, going out and getting somebody this summer, Chambers has put in some good performances for us, but he's not what this team needs consistently week in and week out. I fully agree. If we can sell Bellerin, because as we've said, and as the, the listeners of this podcast very much so know, I'm not a very big fan of Hector Bellerin. Um, I mean, the more I, I think know. about it, I mean, I mean, Bellerin, Bellerin, when he makes those runs, he fits Pepe's style of play. But the issue is Bellerin is not a great defender and he's not a great crosser. So, I mean, what, the only not benefit is his pace. Defender, not a great crosser. It's also that he doesn't know how to pass the ball. He just sometimes just, like, thinks, oh, going forward means going backwards. So, he look, he takes one touch forward, has all this space ahead of him, and then just mm-hmm. says, nope, going back. And it's like, why? You have, like, 30 yards ahead of you with nobody there. Just run. You're faster than everybody else on the pitch, maybe besides Alba. Like, you can burn everyone. Just run. Not tough. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that, that's what that's what he was able to do. I mean, at the tail end of Wenger's career at the start of Emory. But I mean, that that ACL tear probably did hamper him a little bit. Um, but I mean, I, I wish we could have the Hector Bellerin from three or four years ago. Um, the, the player that we thought would be such a such a great right back for us for years to come. It just didn't turn out that way because of injuries, because of, I guess, how the team has changed. He, he's pretty much the last guy left from the Wenger era. Um, so. It's weird that, you know, that, that Bellerin is probably on his way out this summer because, I mean, when, when he first started playing, he was so electric, so good down that right-hand side, playing similarly to how Tierney does now, but things have changed. His style of play has changed because of the circumstances he's been given. But now our job, uh, our, our board's job, our, our technical director's job is to go out and find somebody else who can be the Bellerin from three or four years ago. Yeah, I... I mean, I think that player is going to be hopefully Tariq Lamptey. I would love him. I obviously would want Ashraf Hakimi. That's not going to happen. <laughs> if, if they barely splash the cash on a midfielder, they're not doing it on a right back. I'm sorry. Yeah. It, the amount of money it would cost to get him for the board is just not going to happen. If we sell Bellerin and then sell maybe like, this is a discussion for the day, but Joe Willick for a good amount of money, he's six goals in six matches. Maybe we can get the funds for him, but it'll take I'd, a lot. And, and again, not, we are going to say it. They're going to inject cash into Arsenal. Well, let's see it. And like, show us, don't tell us. Yeah. It's and the fun. transfer window doesn't open for another month and a half, but, but rumors are still swirling around about Grealish, Camavinga, Aarons, Hakimi, all these players for us. 
um, as they do every, every window for Arsenal, it seems. It seems like everyone's linked to us in some capacity. But the transfer window is a discussion for another time. But it, it's still really interesting to, to talk about the makeup of this squad, especially with our, what Arteta's planning. So, again, good performance from Arsenal today. Our last match is uh, this Sunday against Brighton on Championship Sunday. And obviously Brighton are have been our kryptonite. And Brighton are a very good side as well. All credit to them. They, they've been pretty unlucky this year. Um, if you look at the expected points, expected goals, they are. I mean, they're statistically they're they're a top they're a top half side, and they're they've gotten the short end of the stick this year. So we'll preview that later on. But this week in the Premier League has been completely bonkers. Just what a wild week in the Prem makes it. It's it really is what makes it the best league in the world. Yeah, and I mean, the fact that we can have this discussion, and I mean, the point that we have to start off with, I think we would be remiss if we didn't discuss this, was a goalkeeper scored a goal. And not only was it a goal scored by a goalkeeper, it was in the 94th minute of 94 minutes for Liverpool. Allison, Allison Becker came up with, by all means, a magnificent header. I mean, fantastic goal. He put that ball in the corner. No hope. It was 90th plus four in the fourth minute of stoppage time and basically saved Liverpool's season, essentially. And he saved the chance they have of making it to qualify for the Champions League. He, without that, they don't qualify. I mean, the scenario was it was 1 1 against West Brom. And um, usually keepers don't come up when the game is tied. Right, they they come down when they're a goal down and they're trying to salvage a point. It's a huge risk for Allison to come up there because Liverpool, if things don't go their way, West Brom are going the other end with an open goal and a chance to grab all three points. But Allison, I mean, if if anyone deserves that, it's him. He's had a really rough year, um, lost his father in February um, back in Brazil, and had some pretty poor performances after that, stemming from, you know, the the stuff he had to deal with. Um, by no means a Liverpool fan, a Liverpool supporter, but obviously very happy for him. I still wouldn't, don't want to see Liverpool in the Champions League, but it, it's looking like that. That's what's going to happen. The The top four race is crazy. And um, it was really shaped by two matches this weekend um, or two matches in the last week, uh, along with the Liverpool West Brom match. Chelsea played Leicester in the FA Cup final on Saturday. Leicester won the FA Cup. Huge. They and they won it on a player that I personally wanted Arsenal to buy when he was 16 playing in Belgium for Anderlecht, Yuri Tielemans. I just, Tielemans is, he, his, he's so good. He's so good. It was a wonder strike oh, from him. He, and, but the, the issue, the thing is that, I mean, the, the goal, the goal wouldn't have happened if not for a handball, but I mean, VAR okay, didn't okay. see it that way. But after it's, I don't think that was a handball. We can have this discussion. I don't think it was a handball. His arm was on in his chest. It wasn't out. It wasn't an awkward spot. It was where it was meant to be. And it just happened to hit it. And it's nothing. The player couldn't do anything about it. And they said, not his fault. It wasn't an awkward spot. So it's fine. Play on. And it's tough. The, the, fact, the fact that it was such a great goal, I, I think negates the fact that, you know, people will care that it was, a, uh, you know, that that was sort of what changed the possession. But yeah. um, VAR saw it as not l- directly leading up to the goal, which is why the goal was given. And, yeah, and um, like, if I can quickly just put this. Yeah. He is someone who, at Anderlecht, I believe he had 18 goals in a season. 
as a midfielder. And I, we've seen it this year with Gundogan scoring, I think, 10-plus goals for City. We've seen in the past other central midfielders, CDM, scoring goals. He scores them for fun. He can score them with his right foot, his left foot, with power, with precision, with finesse, anything. And that goal is, exemplifies it. He took it, got out of his feet, got about 30 yards away from goal, and then just rifles it just behind Thiago Silva and then past Mendy. And, and those long shots look so much more satisfying in the Wembley goals. Um, mm-hmm. it, just, it was just such a great goal. And, and I mean, Leicester, I tweeted it. They, they have done such a great job with their squad management. I mean, every single club in the world should be looking up to what Leicester have done with their squad management. You can call their title win a fluke all you want, but the what they've done with the money that they got from Mares and Conte has been nothing short of genius. And it's why they um, bag another trophy for their club. It's why they're going to be they're going to be in European competition next year, whether it's the Europa League or the Champions League. Once more, um, it, it would be a second straight fifth place finish if they finish fifth. It would be um, another Champions League appearance for them after their title win in 2015-16. So, I mean, all credit to Leicester outside of the, outside of the big six, just, just breaking in like this, playing really well. And I've said it, Leicester on paper, better squad than Arsenal. Oh, yeah. I, I fully agree that, I mean, the only player on Arsenal, I would say, like, should get into the Leicester side. Maybe a couple wingers. There's maybe Gabrielle in defense. Not really. So, Yunshu's really good. Schmeichel's probably the same level as Burnt Leno. Like, mm-hmm. Not a lot we can really be like, oh, our player is better here. Eh. Like Vardy and Alba, they have their hot streaks. They have their cold streaks. It kind of cancels each other out. You've I mean, got- not even just Vardy. They've got Ian Nacho now who's scoring goals for fun. He's got the most goals in the Premier League since March 1st. It, I mean, me- Leicester's, Leicester are so well-rounded, so deep, have such great young talent too. This is a team for the future. It feels like in my head, Leicester are playing career mode. Because literally, yes, for, for me, FIFA like 17, FIFA 18, I would always sign Clutchy Ayanacho as my striker, he'd always become the best. I'd also sign Yuri Tielemans, he'd always be the best. I'd sign Madison because he ended up being amazing. I'd probably usually end up signing Hamza Chowdhury because great young midfielder. Like, they're playing career mode and they're doing it in real life and they're winning, they're getting results, they're not spending the crazy money, they're not dropping. 300, 400 million is like a year. They're selling players, getting the money and reinvesting it. As you said, with Mares, Conte, like they're putting the money they get from them back in to the right products. They've mm-hmm. missed on a very minimal number of transfers. They missed on Ishmael Silmani. Outside of him, there's only been a few others they've missed on. But I mean, they haven't, they haven't really missed. They've been like comparatively very good. I mean, one area, one area that they missed in is the second match against Chelsea that they played on Tuesday. Um, Chelsea were fully dominant in that one. Chelsea played a fantastic match. Kalechi Iannaccio scored one. Um, Chelsea won the match 2-1. They scored two goals, and then Leicester were able to get one back and were threatening to score a second. But with that loss, Leicester have put themselves in a really tough position to get top four. Um, and Chelsea have put themselves in a better position. Uh, Chelsea would be in a better position if they were able to get points off Arsenal last week. But um, right now, the top four race, I'll just break it down really quick. Chelsea have 67 points sitting in third place. Liverpool have 66 points in fourth. 
Leicester also have 66 points in fifth. Uh, Liverpool are above on goal differential. Uh, Liverpool are plus 24. Leicester are plus 20. Chelsea are plus 23 on goal differential. So the final day is going to be incredibly interesting um, from the, sp- the places three to nine. So there's two separate races going on here. Chelsea play Villa, Liverpool play Palace, and Leicester play Tottenham. So it, it could go anyway. I mean, it's so tight up top. If Liverpool and Leicester both win, it would really take a miracle from Leicester on goal differential to, to hop over Liverpool. Um, but it, it's all down to if, if Chelsea are able to get a win against Villa or if they draw. But there's so many scenarios to break down in that top four. I'll move down to the stuff that involves Arsenal. Um, so West Ham, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll start is, from the top. The whole discussion here. Continue. I'll, I'll start from the top. I mean, West Ham are in sixth, Tottenham are in seventh, Everton are in eighth, Arsenal are in ninth, and four points separate those, those squads. West Ham went down 1-0 to West Brom earlier. If that match ended 1-0, there would be a really, really tight race for the last Europa League spot in sixth. West Ham ended up winning the match and uh, clinching, um, and not clinching, but they have put themselves in a really good position to grab that sixth spot. And with that, Arsenal are eliminated from Europa League contention. Last week, we said the seventh spot because of the FA Cup being Chelsea and Leicester, and with Manchester City winning the League Cup, we said that seventh would be an extra Europa League position. We forgot that the Conference League is now a thing. So seventh place is now a Conference Mm -hmm. League position. And Arsenal are very much in the hunt for it. Um, It's Tottenham, Everton, Arsenal, and you could even toss in Leeds. Uh, maybe not because their goal differential isn't as great. Yeah, but let's leave them out for now. <laughs> but um, I mean, do you want it, Kyle? Do you want Conference League? What I want, and I explained this to you beforehand. Realistically, <laughs> it's us, Everton, and Tottenham fighting for that seventh slot. Yes, because we all want Europa League. It's not going to happen. If my dream scenario is, a, I don't want Conference League because again, I want us to just Chelsea this finish ninth, 10th, whatever, eighth, and then fully rebuild. Be like, no European football, just focus on the Premier League, and let's go for a title. Just nothing else. Prem, FA Cup, League Cup. Let's just get the three domestic stuff out the way, and that's it. No other shenanigans on Thursdays. Everyone's fully healthy, less matches, going to be fully rested, and get going. I don't think that's a bad idea. So what I want to happen, as I explained to you, my ideal scenario is firstly, Everton win. They take care of business. They catch a win. Great. Awesome. Then Tottenham, who I believe you said are playing Leicester, if I'm correct. Yes. Tottenham end up losing to Leicester. So then they are then one point ahead of us as we go into our match. We then win our final match, leapfrogging them into eighth. Don't hit Conference League. And when all the Spurs fans say Arsenal are this, Arsenal are that, we could be like, look, we finished above you. I don't know what you want me to talk to you about. We did better than you. How is, oh, we were first for the first two weeks of the season. Doesn't matter now, does it? We finished above you. What's the, what's the deal here? What do you mean? Uh, what's the matter here? Guys? I want I want to make Sunday St. Totteringham's Day again. Um, it's been so long since we've able, or not that long, hasn't been that long. Um, but you know, finishing above Tottenham, obviously it's not a trophy, but you know, Tottenham don't know what trophies are either. Um, so 
Exactly. I don't know how I don't know how realistic your scenario is, Kyle, because Everton take on Manchester City um, on the final day. Tottenham take on Leicester, and after Leicester's FA Cup win, how how you know lackadaisical they looked against Chelsea. I'm not sure how how in for that Champions League spot Leicester are. I don't know how content they are with ending the season with a trophy and staying in the Europa League because they've clinched a Europa League spot. They are fifth. They will finish no lower than fifth. So um, I'm not sure how committed Leicester are to that. I'm not sure how committed they'll be to a win against Tottenham. Um, but Arsenal, we what we can do is get all three points against Brighton. And, and that's all we can hope for. But I mean, obviously, uh, our luck against Brighton hasn't been the best. Um, and Brighton, as we said, are a good side. But again, Everton taking on City, Tottenham taking on Leicester. The final day is going to be really interesting from those spots, three to nine. The relegation battle is done and dusted. It has been for a week. Uh, so no relegation um, matchups to watch for, but it really is the, the top four race and, and the top seven race, really. And something that we didn't even touch on, on the topic of Spurs, something we don't like talking about often, but in this case, we should discuss it, is we may have seen Harry Kane's last match uh, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, or whatever it's called. that they, The reports currently are that Harry Kane wants out. He said to Daniel Levy he wants out. After the match today, he was the, the first player to take the walk around the walk around the stadium um, to, like, to wave at the fans, and it looked emotional for him. He could very much so be gone after this year, and reports are that he doesn't want to stay in the Premier League, which to me cuts off like half the teams who can afford him. Um, and so at that point, who does he go to? It was a, according to reports, one non-English team that want him or have inquired about him. Who that is, we don't know. Is it Real Madrid? Probably not because of how Benzema's look this year. Could it be a team in Italy? Maybe. I don't know who. I don't know why. It's not clearly not Bayern. I just, I don't know who's in for him, who would want him outside of the Prem. So... If things are about to get interesting. This could be Harry Kane's last match in a Spurs uniform, his last match terrorizing Arsenal when they lose 2-3 to us. I think um, the reports about him not wanting to stay in the Prem, I, I think that City and United are both in for Kane. Um, and I think he's – I don't know if he said that he would like to go to either one, but um, I, I think City and, and United are probably the two most likely destinations for Harry Kane, um, both of which are nightmares. But I think the least nightmarish one would be City. I mean, City are already terrorizing everybody in the Prem. Adding Kane would just exacerbate that. Um, I absolutely do not want to see Harry Kane in a Man United jersey. There is no way I want, want to see that happen. I see. would... I would hate that i would hate it so much the biggest issue here though is what which we're forgetting is that okay harry kane's on the block he could go for probably around 100 million for those if we're being like his price i would guess is between 50 to 100 do i know where in that range no zero clue there's another striker out there who's on the transfer block right now because of how good he is and how young he is he's a player who you don't know the height of He's a player that I love and have him as my screensaver. He currently is my screensaver, Erling Holland. He he could go for a lot less money because he, as of next year, Holland's contract is very strange. 
That's how it was built in a way that I would never do if I was any smart individual ever being <laughs> creating content for a team, personally. For Holland, it's great. For teams, not so much. It was built so that this summer, he's got a normal year of whatever. He's under contract. Next year, Holland has a, basically an opt-out clause, essentially, where his price gets cut down to, I believe it's 35 million euros, is his transfer fee. And at that point... It's, it's open season. That Arsenal could come in for him. You can even see Wolves. Like, any team could get him if they have $35 million, Which even, opens up. Even, I mean, even, even his father's club leads. I mean. Yeah. A lot of teams, if they see $35 million in Erling Holland, screw it. I'll pay the $35 million. I'll go fund to be the $35 million to get him to Arsenal if I have to. Like, $35 million is nothing compared to, like, We've seen players go for more in the past couple of years that are nowhere near the skill of Erling Holland. Like, no knock on Alba, but Holland is who. And the, the like, three teams that we the three teams um, that we've seen in the transfer market that are in uh, in for a striker: City, United, and Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Um, and those funny, are quickly, which is funny because Chelsea thought Timo Werner was the greatest striker ever. And he's clearly not. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, the, the money that they spent on, on Werner just hasn't panned out. I mean, it's only been a season, but the fact that they're already in the market for another one um, says a lot about what they think about that situation. But I mean, the transfer window is going to be super interesting this year, especially, you know, we'll, we'll watch what Arsenal do. Um, and with this, with this championship, with, with the Premier League coming to a close with championship Sunday this week, uh, Let's just round out. Uh, let's do an Arsenal against Brighton prediction. Let's okay. also do an Everton City prediction. And for the sake of it, let's do a Tottenham Leicester prediction too, because those are the three games that impact Arsenal the most. Okay. So starting with, starting with, let's start with Spurs. We're on the subject. I think Jamie Vardy's going to want to spoil a party. He loves a good party, but he's going to want to spoil this one for Tottenham. I think Leicester win 3 1. 3 1 or 3 2. I think they win with three goals. I think we see a Hamza Chowdhury goal. We see a Vardy goal. And we see maybe someone else score. Maybe Inacho late on. Maybe Soyuncu a header. Who knows? But 3-1, Leicester over Tottenham. Uh, I'm going to go... Oof, it's tough. I'm going to say a draw. I'm going to say 1-1. Which would most likely take Leicester out of the race for the Champions League, which is, I think... I think that's what's going to happen. I think Chelsea and Liverpool are in good positions, especially with who they're playing on the final day. If Leicester get a draw, um, and even if Chelsea and Liverpool both draw, uh, Leicester would be out. If Liverpool somehow lose to Palace and Leicester draw, uh, Leicester would be through, and as would Chelsea. But um, I think Liverpool, not an official prediction, but I think Liverpool will get a win. I think Chelsea will at least draw. I don't think they lose to Villa, especially with how big their top four hopes are, because I don't think they want to bank on winning the Champions League to get back in the, in, into the Champions League. So I'm going to say one all with Leicester Tottenham. Okay. Then this brings us to City Everton. I mean, that's, that's going to be a match. I don't think there's any other way to put that. Everton, I just want to just say, they have had such a strange year. 
there has not been a team that has been consistently the best bar. Even city had a strange start to the year. There has not been a team that's had a great overall year where they've been great the entire time. No, hasn't happened. Everton started out red hot. It looked like no one could beat them. And then after four matches, bam, fell off the cliff. I, I want Everton to win because I just want them to take that spot over Tottenham when they do end up losing or drawing. But to be honest here, City are not very easy. But then again, City also have a match coming up very soon in Champions League. They'd much rather win. And they lost to Brighton. I could see City losing this match. I It's going to end. I'm going 2-2. Uh, I think we get some Ferran Torres wonder goal again. And we maybe even get, I don't know, I'm not going to say De Bruyne. He's not going to play. Maybe we get a random uh, Fernandinho sighting or something. I don't know. It's going to be 2-2 two to two is my prediction for City Everton. Um, I'm going to say 2-0 City. Um, and this is setting up for Arsenal Brighton. So with my two results, um, Tottenham would be sitting on 60 points. Everton would be sitting on 59. And Arsenal would only need a win to lock up a conference league space. Um, and as much as I don't want that to happen, that's what I'm predicting will happen. I think we're going to get a one, one nil win over Brighton uh, and, and finish seventh. That's my final prediction for Arsenal season. We're going to win one nil and it's going to be Emil Smith row. I'm going to say that. And we've won four Premier League matches in a row um, when it least matters, I guess. Uh, our little run of form back in March and April wasn't impressive but you know our last our last four matches have been have been nice four straight wins one of them over Chelsea so finishing the season seventh in a, in a conference league space wouldn't make me the happiest I would much rather finish eighth honestly um, I, I would rather I would rather finish behind Tottenham and not be in the chan- in, in the conference league because I, I think it's just going to serve as a distraction for next season Okay, I could agree with that. Uh, you think we're going to win 1-0. I think we're going to win 2-1. I think for Brighton, it's going to be a Danny Welbeck goal. Don't know why. He's going to come back and want to face our team and beat us. His, his former team, Arsenal, is going to want to beat us. I think he'll get the goal for them. And I think for us, we see a striker goal. Don't know which is going to be. If it's going to be Alba or Laka, one of the two. And then I'm also going with the Cam goal. I think if Odegaard, if it's Odegaard or Smith Rowe, whoever it is, they'll score. Um, which will always be fun, to be quite honest with you. We love we love a good cam goal, you know? It's always enjoyable. We do. Um, but overall, I mean, our season's been very up and down. As you've seen on this podcast, we've been here for most of the season. Um, and I know we're going to break down our season uh, in a couple weeks. Um, we're going to have a season breakdown. We're going to have a Champions League prediction. We're going to have a lot in the coming weeks, as well as a lot of interviews here or there with different people. It's going to be a very fun next few months. And then we get to the Euros and then more happens. And I will also add in for Euros coverage. We will have that. There is obviously multiple Euros storylines going on right now, including Zlatan, including Karim Benzema. We're not discussing those just yet. We are holding off until the Premier League season has wrapped up. And the Champions League is wrapped up, so we can focus on that, focus on the Euros. And, you know, the Cup's not coming home. It's not going back to England. It's going somewhere else, not just me. But we'll discuss this at a later date. How's that sound, Arjun? It sounds great. And as sad as I am that the Premier League season is ending, the great thing about football is that it's year-round. Um, no matter what's going on, there's always something happening. Premier League ends now, 
and the Euros, uh, the Champions League is next week. We'll have a preview of that. We'll have a full preview of that. And then um, the week after that, we're going to have a full um, year recap plus a Euros preview. And then we have Euros coverage, Copa America coverage, Gold Cup coverage. Um, and then the transfer window opens. Don't tease me, Arjun. Don't tease and, me. And then the transfer window opens. And before you know it, we're right back into August and Arsenal is ready to let us both down again. So I'm super excited. I'm excited. We'll be back in studio as well for when all of that happens. Like currently we're both away. You know, our semesters are ending both away, doing our own thing. Um, it's it's going to be a good time. We're going to have a studio. Might even have a camera. Who knows? I, I, won't, I won't tease much. Maybe there's a camera in studio. Who knows, Arjun? Who knows? Um, <laughs> so thank you all for tuning in to episode 29 of the Going Going Gooner podcast. Again, check us out on Twitter at Pod. Make sure to listen to last week's episodes where we discuss all things Saints, all things Arsenal. Again, you can hear the predictions we made for last week going into this week. We had a bit more of an Arjun discussion last week where he he ranted a bit, I think. This is the best mm-hmm. way to put it. Um, we discussed some Saints stuff, some fun roster moves here or there, uh, schedules. Uh, it was a good time. So check those episodes out. Follow us on Twitter at Pod. For myself, from Arjun, that's us done. We are signing out.